Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's hump day edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you for the next hour. Whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, if you're choosing to listen to us live via the live stream available on ESPNTucson.com, or if you're checking us out uh, in the future via time travel, in the uh, the podcast section of the ESPNTucson.com website, you can uh, download it from all your uh, all your favorite podcast sites: Audible, Apple, Amazon, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, you know, all the places you get your podcasts. You can find the Jeff Dean Show there. We do appreciate you uh, tuning in. I know that you uh, your time is valuable, and uh, that you choose specifically where you'd like to spend your listening time. We do appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show, as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Now, I have to do this. Sorry, Mary. I have to do it. I have to talk about your beloved Nebraska Cornhuskers because they're in a little bit of trouble right now and could be in potentially a lot of trouble. As reports have surfaced, Brett McMurphy uh, of the Action Network now, a new network. I may have to check that out. Brett McMurphy is a must-follow if, if you are interested in the least bit uh, on college football. Brett McMurphy is a must-follow. He's got great inside information, and he does a great job of, of relaying that information, and he's rarely, rarely off with his, uh, uh, with his info. According to Brett McMurphy, there is, quote, significant video footage of the Nebraska Cornhuskers improperly using analysts and consultants during games and practices which date back 12 months. McMurphy noted that the video footage shows the practice violations occurred in the presence of head coach Scott Frost as well as other assistants. Now, Scott Frost has already been interviewed by the NCAA regarding these allegations as well as, quote, multiple current and former staff members, admins, and football players. In addition to the improper use of analysts and consultants during the games, and this is going to be a bad one because there are other schools that are – we knew that this was going to be an issue with certain programs, and one program specifically here in the state of Arizona, the school up north, has uh, done a bang-up job of just ripping right through this policy. Uh, but Nebraska apparently is in violation of this as well, as they have, uh, were said to have organized workouts at a time when those types of events were strictly prohibited by the NCAA because of the COVID-19 pandemic and shelter-in-place order. So... While it's not as bad as bringing in out-of-state recruits and having them here for visits and things like that during the hard no-visit, uh, you know, decree that was made during the COVID-19 quarantine, like uh, like the school up north did, Nebraska was having workouts, and that's gonna that's gonna weigh heavy on whatever kind of uh, whatever kind of penalties are handed down. Now, according to Brett McMurphy, it's unknown if the program is currently being investigated for those unauthorized workouts, but I could imagine that it's probably going to be part of the mixture. Um, Frost could be suspended for games, could be this season, next season. There could be potential penalties, scholarship type of, of, of restrictions put on uh, Nebraska football. It could, be, it could be going that way. Now, I have said on this show before, Okay, and I will continue to say this because I, I truly, I really truly, truly do believe it. Last year did not matter. Last year should not have technically counted. I don't really count last year. Everything comes with an asterisk uh, as regard, in regards to college football last year because it was just 
it wasn't even it, it, it wasn't even organized chaos. It was just throw spaghetti on the wall. Let's see what sticks. Let's see how many games we can play and squeeze in here. Now Nebraska went three and five last year. I don't care. I don't care what team records were last year. I I, I honestly don't. But the year previous to that, they were five and seven. Before that, they were four and eight. Before that, they were four and eight. They've had four consecutive losing seasons. This is Scott Frost's fourth year at Nebraska. The savior of the Cornhuskers, the former quarterback, the standout, everything. Good people love Scott Frost. Had all kinds of success previously at UCF, right? Had had two big winning seasons at UCF. Got him to a big bowl game. And so you can imagine that the the desperation is there. He, he's feeling the heat because Nebraska fans are not going to put up with this. Long. It's a, it's a, look, it, it is a, a very well-cultivated program, a, a program that was cultivated by Tom Osborne in the 70s, okay, a team that kind of rose out of literally the cornfields uh, from the 60s, and Tom Osborne turned them into a national power very, very rapidly, known for their defense and their toughness, running the football all the way up until the late 90s, right? So for two, three decades worth of time, Nebraska was a notable power in college football. And now they're, I mean, they're a doormat. Teams look forward to playing Nebraska right now because they're in complete disarray. They have not had good leadership there. And Scott Frost now has apparently turned to some, some uh, unsavory tactics as far as trying to get the leg up on the opposing team. Now, the problems at Nebraska go beyond this even. You know what I mean? And, and this is all part of it because since the end of the 2019 season, okay, they finished 5-7. and seven. They had really high hopes that year. Uh, they go out. They lose at Colorado. Remember, it was the, the overtime game, Colorado kicks like a – I think they kicked like a 49-yard field goal to win that game. It was a crazy, crazy kind of game. They lose that game in overtime at Colorado, and, you know, Colorado – obviously coming off as many losing seasons as they had, it was an embarrassing loss for Nebraska. That set things up. They had a bad season, finished with five wins. They got blown out in certain games. Things things were not good. Since that season, they've had 24 scholarship players transfer out. 24. And a lot of coaches have left and taken lateral positions. They've made lateral moves, similar positions at other Power 5 schools. So, it's not like Scott Frost is able to retain the talent and the coaching staff that he has amassed there at Nebraska. So things are starting to get a little bit desperate for uh, Coach Scott Frost there in Lincoln. We'll keep a close eye on that. And look, the, the first thing, well, it wasn't the first thing. One of the early things that I said when we got the information about the recruiting practices that were going on at the school up north, with the you know with the the, the violations that were made during the COVID sh- shutdown the lockdown period, one of the first things that I said in conversation I was having with people was, I wonder who else was doing this. Like I wonder what other schools are going to be dinged for doing this. Who didn't cover their tracks well enough? Who was brash enough to go out there and and just you know kind of I, I guess unabashedly do these kinds of things, thumbing their nose at the uh, at the lockdown, whatever have you, this is this, this was not going to be the only one. Arizona State was not going to be the only school in the country who was breaking the rules during COVID lockdown. Okay, now we find out that Nebraska was doing some things, and I'd be willing to bet that there were plenty other schools out there 
and we're going to find out some things about them as well. But right now, Nebraska in a little bit of trouble, and more more than just trouble in, in, in Nebraska-wise. Because, look, as I mentioned, as storied as that program is, things have been tough for them this year and uh, the, the past few years, and, and things are not looking great this year for them either. You know, I, I think I have them, I want to say fifth in, in the Big Ten West this year. Like, you know, Wisconsin, I think, is going to be very, very good this year. That's not a, you know, that's that's no secret. Iowa and Northwestern, my fighting Fitzgeralds. I love Pat Fitzgerald. I love it when former former players go back to their, uh, go back to their roots, go back to their alma mater and coach and coach up and just stay there. Like, no, Northwestern should not be winning football games, okay? We, I mean, we've seen them, you know, under Gary Barnett, and they won. They had some pretty good players. They uh, recruited a guy by the name of Darnell Autry out of Tempe, a uh, running back named Darnell Autry, who went there and did all kinds of, wreaked all kinds of havoc in the Big Ten and was Big Ten, you know, Offensive Player of the Year and all this other stuff, went to the NFL. And, you know, I, I played in the same city as Darnell. He graduated a year before I did. Um, it's just weird to get, you know, players like that to Northwestern and to have them winning games. Pat Fitzgerald has them winning games all over the place. They're going to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten this year again. Then you got Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to be really good this year, and you know, and you got Purdue and Illinois, which are probably awful. Nebraska is somewhere just above those in in the as far as the West goes. If you look at the East, you got of course you got Ohio State, Michigan, Indiana is going to be really good. Penn State's going to be really good. Franklin's got a, a, a good squad again this year. Shiano at Rutgers, kind of moving up things a little bit. Michigan State might be the worst team in in that division, and they're not they're not all that bad. So, yeah, Nebraska turning to uh, some unsavory practices, some, some illegal stuff going on um, over there. I want to I talk about this uh, because I saw this story yesterday, and it goes into the, the, the file of the, the I'm not crying, you're crying file. And I hope I don't mess up this name because she deserves to have her name pronounced correctly. I'm going to do my best. PA announcer, uh, phonetic uh, changing here of the name here. Maria Andrzejczyk, who is the Polish javelin thrower, Olympic silver medalist in the javelin in Tokyo this, uh, this summer, auctioned off her silver medal with the goal of using the funds to help an eight-month-old boy receive a life-saving heart surgery. Now, this boy, this eight-month-old boy, Miloszek Melisa, uh, eight-month-old Polish boy, um, had a serious heart defect and was in need of surgery, and the family obviously was unable to to pay for this. They were looking for financial support. Andrzejczyk promptly decided to auction off her silver medal that she won in uh, in Tokyo. She was able to auction this medal off for $125,000, which is an amazing story in itself. But wait, there's more. Andrzejczyk, who uh, auctioned off her silver medal, okay, was very proud. Um, you've seen some pictures and things like that if you've, if you've looked at this story, some pictures of her just absolutely melting on the medal stand. She missed a medal at the Rio Olympics in 2016. She missed medaling by two centimeters. Two centimeters was the difference between her and getting on the podium at Rio. Then following the Olympics in Rio, she, uh, she suffered a shoulder injury 
at, that required surgery, and it forced her to miss competitions in 2017. But wait, there's more. In 2018, she was diagnosed with bone cancer. All before making her comeback that led to her silver medal in Tokyo. Now, comes the, the hero, uh, the, the, the secondary hero in the story. The, um, the, the winner of the auction, essentially. Okay? It's, a, it's a supermarket chain in Poland that goes by the name of Zabka. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's you know, it's like the the fries or whatever of of Poland. They won the auction by creating the bid of one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. They were the they were the winner of the of the auction. They then said, "Don't even send us the medal. That's yours to keep. We're just happy to help." And the the money that was raised will now allow this young boy, this eight month old infant to have his surgery at the Stanford University Medical Center, and uh, it's going to save his life. Zabka returned the medal to Andrzejczyk and essentially creating a $125,000 donation to save this boy's life. In the I'm not crying, you're crying file for the year of 2021, this story goes right to the top. I don't know if anything will top this story this year. I was just I, I was blown away. The more I read... The more I was just like, <laughs> this can't, this can't get any more, like heartwarming, can it? Can it possibly? Oh yes. Oh, by the way, she had bone cancer. What? Good grief! This is the stuff that that Disney specials are made out of, right? I would not be surprised to see something like this come out in, in a movie or, or you know, something on on one of the streaming services that are, you know, obviously there's. A lot of popularity on those documentaries and things like that. That would be just awesome. Like this is the kind of stuff you see come out on, you know, Disney Plus or Netflix or Netflix or you know whatever. What uh, there's a million services out there now. I know I've subscribed to almost all of them. It's ridiculous. My monthly bill is is insane. I don't even have time to watch all these shows. But if they make the Maria Andrejcik show, the uh, documentary on this whole story. I'll definitely watch that. Cause man, that was that was a rough that was a rough one to get through. When I was reading the article last night, I was like, oh man, this is uh, you get that little clench in your throat, you know, where it starts to get a little painful there, and you get a catch right there, and you're like, oh yeah, but just just on the verge. If anything else happens in this story, I may just burst. Then you read about them returning the medal, and I mean, you kind of knew that was going to happen, right? Like a supermarket chain's not going to keep the medal. What are they going to do with it? But, gosh, just a, just an awesome story. You love to hear about things like that. That's, you know, just it, it's more than just sports, right? Like what we do here is more than just sports. People say, you, know, you hear all the time, you read it on Twitter or whatever, stick to sports, stick to sports. Like this is sports, but this is also humanity. This is, this is just somebody doing something wonderful for another person, using their fame via sports to be able to drive that dream. So uh, props to you, Maria Andrejcik, and I hope I said that name even remotely close to how it's supposed to be said. And uh, congratulations to you, on your not only on your civil medal, but for being a hero to, uh, to one person, to one very, very young infant who's going to have life-saving heart surgery at Stanford Medical Center because of you. So great stuff. Great, great stuff right there. 
All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll talk about some NFL and also a tribute that is going to happen at the University of Arizona, a tribute that would have happened earlier if not for the big C word, of course. Um, as Arizona announced yesterday, they're going to be having a tribute to the late, great Lou Dolson. We'll talk about that next. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction, the live in-person public auction preview is this Friday, August the 20th, starting at 10 a.m., goes till 4 p.m. You can preview the vehicles that they have there up for auction for Saturday morning. You go to 3911 North Highway Drive right there in Tucson. It's a, a free online registration at sierraauction.com. It is open to the public. There is no dealer license required. And you can bid online starting Saturday morning at 8 a.m. And get the deals you deserve only at sierraauction.com. Of course, for more information, you can go to espntucson.com. Yesterday, it was announced, um, it was shortly after the show ended, that uh, Arizona Wildcats fans will finally have a chance to formally celebrate the life of men's basketball coach Lou Dolson as uh, they put on a tribute. Uh, at McHale Center. The, the tribute is going to take place Sunday, September 12th. It's going to be at 1130 in the morning. And the tribute is open to the public pending local health and safety regulations. Hopefully things are looking better at that point. But if you can't attend or don't want to attend for uh, health and safety reasons, the university will be hosting a live stream of the event on the Facebook page, Arizona Athletics Facebook as well as ArizonaWildcats.com. Of course, Lute, the great Lute Olson, passed away last year um, in August. Uh, actually, we're coming up on the anniversary. August 27th, I believe, was the date. Uh, and obviously, we were unable to to have any kind of, you know, any kind of event or a tribute or anything like that because of all the restrictions that were going on. I mean, I, I was, you know, there wasn't anybody in the building. Um, obviously one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball is Lute Olson, the builder of this program and the lifeblood of this community. And, uh, he deserves to have the, you know, the best tribute possible. Um, I just don't know if McHale Center is going to be enough. Like <laughs> how many people are going to show up for this? I, 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 I mean, I know there's going to be restrictions on, on the amount of people that are going to be allowed in and such, I just, man, it's uh, it's almost like maybe, yeah, I, I, I'm expecting a lot of people to show up on Sunday, um, September 12th at 11:30 for this tribute, and rightfully so. Um, he's earned it, he deserves it, and the fans, let's, let's call it like it is, the fans deserve it too. The fans deserve to um, to say their farewells and to celebrate the life of uh, of Lou Olson. So. Uh, mark it on your calendars. September 12th to Sunday, get on down there to the McHale Center at 11:30 in the morning, and um, support your your the greatness of the history of this program and its former coach Lou Olson. Talking about some NBA basketball, the part a part of the season schedule was announced yesterday, and they t- they talked about the you know the opening the opening day the opening week essentially for. The, you know, for the NBA teams and such, we found out that the Suns, the Phoenix Suns, are going to open up at home October 20th, taking on the Denver Nuggets. So the team that they eliminated in uh, four 
from the uh, from the playoffs this season will be the Suns' home opener. The Suns will also travel immediately after that to take on the Lakers in La La Land. October 22nd, we'll get our first look at the new triumvirate that is the the Lakers program or the, whatever whatever they're going to call it the big three plus one with Mello coming off the bench or the the, the nursing home or the geriatric center or whatever you want to call it I don't know uh, but the Suns are going to play at the Lakers October 22nd and and super exciting news and we expected it look this was this was something that was kind of a side note during the playoffs but once the Suns made it to the Western Conference Finals and then, of course, the NBA Finals, I'm like, we're going to get a Christmas game. We're going to get a Christmas game out of this. The team is exciting enough and obviously good enough. We're getting a Christmas Day game out of this. And we did. And it's a good one. It's a doozy. And it's going to be played here in Phoenix. It's going to be a home game for the Suns. Now, the Suns are going to be enjoying their first Christmas Day game on an NBA schedule since 2009. Twelve years since the Suns have played on Christmas Day, this time they will be hosting the Dubs. The Warriors are coming to town on Christmas Day. It's going to be a busy day in Phoenix because the Suns, I believe, are scheduled to play, I think it's I think it's 3 o'clock, maybe it's noon. Maybe those were Eastern times. I'll check. Um, but the Suns are going to play that day. And then the Cardinals, they play, uh, the Cardinals are playing a Christmas Day game as well at home. They host the Indianapolis Colts that day as well. So it's going to be a wild day in the Valley on Christmas. Not only is it Christmas, but you got Suns Warriors, Cardinals Colts, and depending on look, both the Cardinals and the Colts, promising situations right now. Cardinals looking pretty good. I mean, obviously they've got talent throughout the, you know, throughout the team. There's mega talent on offense, plenty of disruptors and playmakers on defense. Can they put it all together? Does Cliff Kingsbury have what it takes to get this team to a winning season and get to the playoffs? That'll all be remained as be seen. What does the Indianapolis Colts season look like when it comes to comes to December? You know, a team that that has talent to be in the Super Bowl this year. They they are an AFC power. Can Carson Wentz pull the trigger? Can he stay on the field long enough? You know, they'll get Quentin Nelson back probably for Week One or Week Two of the of the NFL season. They're expecting Carson Wentz back around that same time. They refused to make a trade for a you know for a, a veteran backup or a veteran to to take the reins in front of Carson Wentz's return. And in my opinion, what it would be the inevitable injury that occurs somewhere in the season to Carson Wentz because the guy can't finish an NFL season. So that'll be an interesting day. In, uh, in Phoenix, in sports, really, for the state of Arizona and for, you know, for the city of Phoenix, of course, hosting two big sports games on, uh, on Christmas Day. So that'll be good stuff. Looking forward to that. And, uh, yeah, it, look, it's been 12 years since the Suns have had a Christmas Day game, and they've earned it. And we'll be talking some more, you know, some more NBA and stuff, of course, as we get close to the season. There's, there's hardly any offseason. You know, the Summer League just ended last night. Then we're five weeks away from opening day, October 20th, is going to be the you know the opener for the Suns. So we're oh no we're well, we're five weeks away from when preseason scheduling begins. We're two months away from from the actual opener because what today is August eighteenth. So yeah, two months almost exactly. So looking looking forward to that. You know we just the train just keeps rolling here. Now the NFL is going to have some preseason action coming up. 
the the upcoming schedule for NFL preseason. There is a game tomorrow night. The Patriots are going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles uh, at the link in Philly. I mentioned yesterday that J.J. Taylor is earning a spot in the rotation on the offense for the Patriots and looks to be featured in their offense this year, which, again, I'm not surprised. J.J., the, the moment that I saw him, I recognized that he had NFL talent that was going to be a player on Sundays as long as he stayed healthy and continued to progress his game. He did that. Obviously, he showed out at Arizona, played his tail off, and worked hard, and he got himself into the NFL, and he's playing for the greatest coach in, in, in the NFL today. Some people say in NFL history, and they're going to find a way to use him, and, and rightfully so. J.J. Taylor is going to play on Sundays, and he's going to play on Thursday against Philadelphia. You want to check that out. It'll be on the NFL Network. Friday, the Cardinals are hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are in town. Um, that game's going to be on ESPN. That game starts at 5 p.m., and also the Bengals play the Washington football team. Again, Washington continues to be that, that team that no one's able to kind of figure out. Are they going to suck? Are they going to win the East? Who is this team? Most people agree that Chase Young is the emerging talent that we always knew that he would be in watching him at Ohio State. We know that defense is going to be really good, one of the top five defense, I think one of the top three defenses in the NFL. But just how, just how good will Washington be? How far can Ryan Fitzpatrick take them? They do have some weapons on offense, and uh, you know they, they, can, they will be able to score some points, but having Fitzpatrick back there is always a question mark. Which brings me to my next question. Fitzpatrick, not a, not a rookie quarterback. If you were, if you were to rely on let's, – let's talk fantasy for a minute, okay? If you were to rely on one rookie quarterback, everybody's going to draft – you have the fantasy draft. It always happens. You know, I remember you know, doing them in, you know, in my time of, of playing fantasy. Somebody drafts a rookie quarterback. The, the rookies are going to get drafted here and there. You know, Najee Harris, we know he's going to go probably pretty high because he's going to be the, uh, the starting tailback at Pittsburgh run the football a lot there. Who's the who's the rookie quarterback that you would draft? Like which which one would you draft? Cuz we've got and we got a litany of them here, right? Who's the rookie quarterback, the one guy that you would take a flyer on? Because obviously you've got Trevor Lawrence, you've got Justin Fields, you got Zach Wilson. Do you take a flyer on Trey Lance? You know, who you know, who's the guy that you would rely on to draft in your fantasy draft from the rookie quarterback position? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 every weekday here on ESPN Tucson. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, which is Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing and deliciousness here in the state of Arizona. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. So if you were going to draft a rookie quarterback in your fantasy football team, who would you choose? You got Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick, the golden boy, the player who would have been drafted number one overall if he were able to come out his freshman season from Clemson. He's been the number one pick for three years. We, we all knew it was going to happen. A coach came out of retirement to take a job with a horrible franchise just to be able to coach this guy. Would he be your choice for your fantasy football team if you were drafting a rookie quarterback. What if it would be Zach Wilson? 
taken number two overall. Going to be the starter for the Jets from day one. We saw good things over the weekend from him, right? Arm talent looked good. Ability to play outside the pocket is good. We saw that at, at BYU, and we saw it uh, this past weekend for the Jets. But again, you know, Jets were picking second for a reason because they suck. they got a brand-new head coach, a guy who has coached defense his entire life. Is that the, the, the quarterback that you want? Maybe it's Trey Lance, who was taken third overall by the 49ers, a guy who we all believe will eventually be the starter day one because not only because he's really good and because he would be replacing a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, who, although a winner, much like Carson Wentz, can't be trusted to stay healthy for an entire 16 or now 17-game season and has shown some inability to hit the deep ball. Okay, uh, We all know if if – Jimmy G makes that play that makes that play against the, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. 49ers are likely the, the world champions that year, and we're probably not even having this conversation. Do you take Trey Lance? Do you take Justin Fields, who I spoke glowingly about in his debut with the Bears in preseason week number one, going against the twos and the threes? And again, I, I, I said how much I dislike hearing that. You know, the oh, he's going against twos and threes. He's supposed to perform well against twos and threes, right? Like, did you want me to say that he didn't perform well? But again, we have to take it with a grain of salt. They're going to put up numbers. Guys are going to look good because they're playing against non-starting talent in the NFL. Not to mention teams are playing base defenses. He's not up there having to read defenses, although he did a pretty good job of that when he was at Ohio State. Um, you know, it's been his decision-making that really was the huge issue for, you know, for Justin Fields. So, you know, who is the rookie quarterback that you draft? I'll give you my opinion, and and it's because – as good as Trevor Lawrence is, okay, and as great as we saw him at Clemson and do all the things that he did, he did have a couple of little injury stints in the last couple of years. Wasn't on the field a whole lot. Um, I shouldn't say a whole lot. He missed he missed some considerable time at Clemson over the last couple of years. And, you know, I got to see him play live twice. And although very impressive, there were plenty of holes in his game. And he missed some throws, and he missed some reads. Um, He wasn't perfect. He wasn't Mr. Perfect like he had been anointed. Now, certainly there are plenty of holes in Zach Wilson's game. We only saw him for one year at BYU, and it was last year in a season where I even said just, you know, a couple of segments ago, you put a giant asterisk on last season, didn't matter, didn't count. Records, no, I don't care about the records. I don't care about the statistics. I don't care about anything that really happened last year. It, it, to me, it just it was a scramble to play as much football as you possibly can, deal with you know everything that you have to deal with. Players were opting out. It, it just it, it wasn't a, a good representation of what college football should be. So I, I just throw last year out. Throw it out for a lot of reasons. Okay, some obvious reasons, obviously here in Tucson. I do think I would pick Zach Wilson if I were if I were drafting a rookie quarterback for my fantasy football team. I would take Zach Wilson, and here's why. Yes, both Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are both going to get the start from day one. So you're at least guaranteed, because we don't know about Justin Fields, right? If we were guaranteed that Justin Fields is going to be the day one starter, I think a lot of people would try, you know, try to lean towards him because he gets you different action, different looks, and he plays for a better football team than those other two guys. But we don't know if he's going to be the starter. They're still wishy-washy on it. They don't know if they want to throw him to the wolves with that horrible offensive line. I get it. Okay, but it is a better team. 
the Chicago Bears. I would take, and, and uh, with Trey Lance, obviously with the best of the four teams, the 49ers are by far and away the better of those four teams, of the, the Jags, the Jets, the Bears, and the Niners. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Jimmy G is going to be the starter. Trey Lance is going to get in on some packages. He is going to play. I don't know how much of a fantasy impact he'll have. So you look at the two guys that are going to be guaranteed day one starters. They've already been named, well, <laughs> let me back that up. Trevor Lawrence has not been named the starter by his head coach, which is ridiculous and stupid because um, we all know he's going to be the day one starter. Robert Sala spared little time in saying that, look, we drafted Zach Wilson number two. He's going to be our starting quarterback. We're going to treat him as such from day one. He's going about the right way. And that's the reason why I would pick Zach Wilson if I were drafting a rookie quarterback because his head coach has given him the – and Ruben Meyer may behind the scenes be giving Trevor Lawrence the, the support of saying you're our number one, but in the media, he's not. At least in the media, Robert Sala has been on record and been like, Zach Wilson's our starter. He came here to start. We're going to get a look, look at him. He's going to play a lot in the preseason. He's going to be our starter moving forward. He's the future of this, pro, of, of, this, of this franchise. That's why we drafted him. And that's why I would take Zach Wilson. They both play for horrible teams. Okay, Both offenses are pretty bad, although I would give Jacksonville's offense a little bit of a nod over the Jets' offense is just putrid. It's, it's horrible. But the Jets' defense is so good that I think they're going to create more opportunities for the offense. There's going to be shorter fields, I think, for Zach Wilson to work within. That leads to more touchdowns. I don't know if yards are really going to matter for these two guys. But I would take Zach Wilson just because I do think the Jets are just a little bit better of a team. And I'm going to be honest, the support that he's gotten from his coach, both probably behind the scenes and, of course, in the public eye, outweighs what Urban Meyer has been doing with, with Trevor Lawrence at Jacksonville. Urban Meyer, let, let's look at Urban Meyer's track record at Jacksonville so far, okay? You tell me if, if this is someone you want to put faith in, if you're going to drop, let's say, let's say you're in a $100 fantasy football league, okay? Let, let, me, let me ask you if you're going to put faith in anybody this person coaches. He names, the first assistant coach that he names in the offseason is somebody who is a noted racist and has been basically blackballed from several different campuses in college football and is is basically one of the more, you know, I, I, I would say um, disgusting people, you know, as far as, as far as that goes, okay? There's a lot of people don't like this dude, rightfully so. He's said a lot of horrible things in his, in his time. A lot of players have spoken out about him, and nobody wants to play for the guy. So he was his first hire. And immediately, everybody was like, um, did you know that this guy, it, it, it was, there was all kinds of backlash, right? So he had to backpedal. They fired him two days later, right? Like, oops, sorry, I forgot about all those racist things that he said. <laughs> okay? So that was Urban Meyer's first move. Hire the racist and then backpedal and fire him once the public was like, hey, um, excuse me, hello, <laughs> do you realize what you just did? Oops, okay, let me backpedal on that. Then he drafts, okay, you know, he drafts Trevor Lawrence. We all knew that was going to happen. He brings Tim Tebow in, who hasn't played football, hasn't played professional football for seven years, has not played football for seven years, was playing minor league baseball. Brings him in to play a position he had never played before, ever. 
Tim, you're going to put on some weight, going to, you know, get in the weight room, put on some muscle. We're going to try at a tight end. What? Then he put this fool in games. We saw what that looked like. The side of the head turned to block somebody, kind of making a half-ass, uh, you know, effort to get in front of somebody. You can get somebody hurt. So that was his next move, was to bring in his buddy, Tim Tebow, to play tight end for the Jaguars. And look, I think we all realized that there was never going to be an opportunity for him to be a starter on that team, let alone a backup, because he was like the fourth string tight end. But they still wasted time on this dude, putting him in games and situations in live action where he could have gotten somebody hurt or himself. So, and again, he he was able to make good on that. He cut Tim Tebow yesterday. We knew it was coming. Should have happened. Should have never been there in the first place. And then in the midst of all this, you draft a guy who's been known as the number one draft pick since we saw him throw his first football in South Carolina. We've known he's going to be the number one pick in whichever NFL draft he entered. Number one pick, period. You came out of retirement specifically to coach this person. And then you want to go on record with the media in the public and say, man, it's an open competition between him. What are you talking about? Between he and Gardner Minshew? Do you really think we're going to buy what you're selling when you try to say that there's an open competition between Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew? Nothing against Gardner Minshew. He's put up some good numbers. He has some moxie to him. I like watching him play. You specifically came out of retirement to draft Trevor Lawrence, number one, and coach him in the NFL. Put your faith behind the young man and say, I came out of retirement. Let's not, let's not play these shadow games. This is not college football anymore. You cannot hide behind the logo. Okay, This is not Ohio State. This is not Florida. You cannot hide behind the logo anymore. People will not go to bat for you. This is the NFL. This is open transparency. Nobody cares. You have to be open and honest with people. Go out there and say, I came out of retirement specifically because I wanted to coach this guy because he's a generational talent. Don't try to – maybe Urban Meyer's like, well, I'm trying to protect him in case something goes wrong. Well, if you really think he's the generational talent that he is, then you shouldn't have to worry about that. Give the man the confidence. Confidence is everything. Because if you start to waffle on a young player like that, regardless of how confident they are, somewhere deep down it's going to start eating away at them. They're going to start losing their confidence. And in sports, in competition, in any, any walk of life, where you're competing to be number one. If you lose your confidence, you lose everything. You lose your edge. You lose it all. Confidence is everything. Show the man some confidence. Go out there and say, yes, I drafted him. I I came out of retirement to draft him number one so that I could coach him because I believe that this is my last opportunity to get a Super Bowl championship, and this is the guy that I'm going to hitch my wagon to because he's that good, and we're going to treat him as such, and we're going to build a team around him to make him great, get him to a Super Bowl as quickly as we possibly can. But no, instead you're going to be like, there's still an open competition between him and this guy with a mustache. Stop it. Stop. So that's why I go back and I say, Robert Sala has done all the right things with Zach Wilson from day one. He's our starter. Put him out there. Day one, reps with the ones. Go. Preseason, week number one, get out there. Let's see three series from you. Let's open it up. Get the playbook open. Throw the ball downfield. Get crazy. Get loose. It's the better choice. 
he may not be the better quarterback, and I don't think he is. But if you're talking about drafting a rookie quarterback for your fantasy team, the obvious choice, in my opinion, is Zach Wilson. For all those reasons I just laid out. See how easy that is? Maybe I should get back into fantasy football. Probably take all your money. 1490 AM, I probably wouldn't. In fact, I guarantee I wouldn't. 104.9 FM ESPN Tucson and Tucson Appliance are looking for the next big radio star, and it could be you. If you think you've got what it takes to do what we do here on the airwaves, submit your video. Make sure it's 60 seconds or less. Don't go over time. It's frowned upon in this business. Show us what you can do. Your video could even get played on the air during our afternoon show, Spears and Ali, weekdays from 3 to 6. Now, the grand prize winner will also earn a weekly phone guest spot on the Spears and Ali show. You can submit your videos to ESPNTucson.com. We're going to start voting on August 27th, so you've got nine days to submit those videos. The star is born right here on ESPN Tucson and is brought to you by Tucson Appliance. Only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. When we return, I'll put a bright, big, let's try that again. When we return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, we're going to be waiting to see what happens with uh, another big recruit coming up for the Arizona Wildcats football program as a defensive player, very highly rated defensive player, going to be making his uh, decision on Friday. We'll probably have some more of that tomorrow. Maybe Friday we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that as well as uh, another look. It's, it's coming down to the, the nitty-gritty here, the final few for Arizona on, uh, on some, other, some other big names still. So keep an eye out on that. Also, um, four-star guard for the 2022 class has listed Arizona as one of his final six, um, Colin Chandler is his name, and uh, a very talented uh, very talented young guard. And he has uh, Arizona listed alongside Oregon, Gonzaga, Stanford, Utah, and BYU. So pretty pretty stiff competition there for the Wildcats. Looking forward to uh, some news on his recruitment as well. And some other you know things that are going to be happening in, uh, in football and basketball. Uh, women's basketball is on a little bit of a break right now. It's the no-contact period for Adia Barnes, so she is – uh, gone into, I wouldn't say hiding, but she's uh, enjoying time with her family and stuff before they gear back up with more uh, recruiting for the uh, women's basketball program, of course, and they're looking forward to a big follow-up season to last year's breakout year, of course, and we're going to be looking forward to uh, to watching the uh, the women's basketball team this season and all of the sports on Arizona's campus. Look, a lot of changes in this offseason. Got a new baseball coach and a new-look program there. We're excited to uh, to get that underway with Arizona baseball, of course, a new coach in softball, as we're looking forward to. I mean, we always look forward to great years from uh, from Arizona softball because of the job that Coach Candrea did, the legend Coach Candrea. And, of course, he's passed off his torch now. So a lot of new, lot of new faces on campus at the, at the helm of some of the bigger programs, and uh, we just continue to forge forward. And, and things are going to be an exciting year for the 2021-22 athletic season at Arizona. And it all begins – September 4th in Vegas. I'm interested to see who's going. Um, I'm trying to get there myself. Uh, you know, 
ESPN Tucson, look, it's it just just the nature of of what we do. Um, I don't get paid to cover just one team. I paid I get paid to talk on the radio and give my opinions and talk to guests and get you guys informed and have some fun and be entertaining. Uh, so I'm not paid to cover Wildcat football or anything. So I'm going to be trying to go on my own dime. I just got to get some things worked out here. I'm going to try to get to the game to cover the game for you guys on September 4th in Las Vegas because, look, this team, you know, we're all very excited, and it has been a very exciting exciting lead-up in this offseason. Jed Fish, as I mentioned earlier in the show, has pushed all the right buttons with the community. He's doing all the right things. Now we have to see what the product looks like on the field, right? Need to see what it looks like, and I'm I'm as excited as anyone. Okay? I, I'm a fan. I'm just a fan here as well, just like you guys, and I know that may sound somewhat unprofessional or whatever. I'm not doing national radio, and I'm not – sitting here going to try to blow smoke up anybody's you know backside i'm a fan i'm going to talk about the team and i'm going to tell it like it is but there's nothing short of excitement this year for leading up to football so uh, practice again today we'll have reactions for that tomorrow practice on thursday and then the big game night scrimmage the game experience scrimmage on saturday night at 7 30 make sure you're there is on a stadium for that it's free bring the family out hopefully the weather's nice and we'll have a good time there Congratulations to our winner of the tickets today, Judith Loya. Going to go see Fluffy in November. And, of course, thanks to Mary on the console for pushing all the right buttons. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali at 3 o'clock, and I'll see you guys again tomorrow morning right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN, Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.